episode 76 Cool Button Hockey Podcast is underway. Was that too many men? Would you have called too many men on Colorado in overtime? Craig, let's get right to the meat. No, I wouldn't have called too many men on the ice. And one of the things I was reminded of many years ago by Bob Clark was that good officials know what not to call. And if we're going to call that too many men on the ice, you know, then we're going to have 15 or 20 of those a game. You know what? I look at it simply as this. You know, if you want to look at it as the letter of the law and you want to make the rule book, you know, definitive and black and white, yeah, I guess you could make a case to call that too many men on the ice. But in the flow of the game, I look at it in this respect. The, the player coming on the ice gain an advantage from a player going off the ice, whether it be, you know, we know we're touching the puck, but he interferes with somebody, get in somebody's way or path. I didn't see any of that whatsoever. So absolutely, I don't think that that's a too many men on the ice call, nor do I think it should be called in that regard, in that, in, 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 in that situation. And I'm going to look at that, that moment and then the game and then the third period. What the officials established in the game and then in the third period was, this is old school, Andy Van Halleman, Kerry Fraser, you name it, Art Scove, Bruce Hood, we're not calling anything. Like basically, unless you shoot the puck over the glass or break someone's stick on a breakaway, it's Hudson Bay rules. So keeping all that in mind, on the play, when the puck leaves the zone and you stop it right there, it's a discombobulation at the bench. And I counted 13 skaters on the ice and the two goalies. So by the letter of the law, are we going to call too many men on the ice on both teams? What if the puck hits the Tampa bench and, and then they turn the puck up ice? So by the letter of the law, there's a lot of skaters on the ice. When Kandri does jump on, there was a measurement uh, done on ESPN Sports Center that said it was 42 feet. Okay, Kadri's at the bench. McKinnon starts coming over. Kadri reads it. And is he on and gaining some type of advantage? Well, everybody that's onto the ice before the guy that comes off gains some type of advantage. Okay, we're talking about calling it or not. The play goes Kemper, boom, up, and then Kadri takes the puck with McKinnon up at the bench, so he's off now, and he goes right into 27 and 98. That's McDonough and Sergachev, and then dangles Sergachev like a McDavid goal and scores. I wouldn't have called it either. I wouldn't have called it either by the letter of the law. Yes, it's a penalty. How many penalties were there in the third period? I'm not making excuses. Once you kind of establish this and that and this, then you got to keep calling it. They established that we're throwing our modern rule book out the window. And I wouldn't have called it either unless Kemper goes to Kadri. McKinnon just comes off. It's a breakaway. And there was an advantage gain that I just could not avoid. And I'm not making excuses, Craig. They established that they were not going to call that. And they met after the game, and the official said, in a judgment call, we didn't see it as too many men on the ice. That's how me and you interpret it. Just because we look at it the same way doesn't mean we're right. It means just how we feel, our opinion. Yeah, and and, and all four officials are capable of calling too many men on the ice penalty. So it's not just the referees. And, you know, there was an intermediate step there. It was Kemper to Lekonin to Kadri. Yes. Right? So, like, you know, there's a lot. And, again, I, I, I think that you use the term that I would use. You know, was there an advantage gained? 
<laughs> and I didn't see any advantage gained and, and nor any disadvantage for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That long change creates, as you point out, a lot of chaos and a lot of you, you, scenarios in and around. You, you, you're realizing, oh, oh, wait, that puck's coming up. You're turning around. You're trying to get on. You're trying to get off. Right. So like by the letter of the law. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Oh, we have two penalties on the play. We have a too many men on the ice penalty for the Colorado. I mean, we've had too many men on the ice penalty for the Tampa Bay Light, whatever, you know, by the letter of the law, I would not have called it. Now, when you go to, you know, Hudson Bay rules and, you know, uh, I mean, the, you, you look back to, to the way the game was, was officiated and called I, standard. The, the officials don't decide how they're going to call the game for the most. They're told what they want the standard to be in the NHL for a long time. You know, now when I say long time, last half dozen years, slashing on the hands. You know, now we have the, the cross-checking, right? And we keep talking about the standard. And what's the first thing we hear at the beginning of the playoffs? Are they going to uphold the standard? Are they going to uphold the standard? I think that Wes McCauley and Kelly Sutherland shortchanged the game last night. They shortchanged the standard. I don't think anybody said we want the standard lower. They decided not to call penalties. And I think that's a bad look for the NHL. If I'm John Cooper and I'm Jared Bednar, because I think they both had grievances in that third period, especially like, why are we not calling this now? And don't tell me it's a third period of game four, of the Stanley cup final, either you're upholding the standard and you're holding the standard. Or you're not Wes McCauley and Kelly Sutherland had an awful game four, had an awful game four from an officiating standpoint. And we're talking about two top-notch referees. Doesn't mean they can't have a bad game, right? Players have bad games. Guess what? McCauley and Sutherland, bad game four. And, and you know what, though, Craig? There's going to be fans, broadcasters, current players, ex-players, and current GMs that are very happy with those two because you know what they're going to say? Two marbles in each pocket? Let them play. Let the like the people are gonna see yep. they let them play, they let them decide the game, all of those things, which might bring up you know a fraction of GMs that come in and say, We really like what we saw, and then you know, we're gonna have Hudson Bay rules in the boardroom, and you've been in that boardroom. So could the small group override the bigger group, or will Stephen Walkham with these two officials? And the GMs that have decided we want call in the hands. We want a tripping in the first, in the third, and in overtime. Too many men, if you believe it is, all those things, it got away from us here. Because I wonder if people say, that was awesome. I loved it. It was old school. Like, you know where I'm going with this, right? I was in shock what I saw in the third. But I got it. Like, I said, okay. Like, I, it's, it's, you know... You know, if you if you, if you are driving and people are all going way below the speed limit, and you oh, there's cruisers all over the road. I get it. We are under the limit today. Or people are on the road and they're going way over in the full traffic. You go, we, we're all breaking the rules. Okay, don't pick one guy out of the pile. So I got it. You got it. The players got it. I just think this has got to be a one-off, right? It's got to be a one-off. Or now. I have no idea what we're going to see for game five, if there's a game six or seven, and where do we reset for next year if we don't go back to some type? What do we want? We want an idea. Like, here's my idea of where we're at right now, Craig. I don't know. I 
I don't know where we're going to game five. I don't did know. You, did you feel that way heading into game four? No, I felt. I, see, okay. that's why I said they decided. They decided. Nobody came in and said, this is the standard. They decided. They, You know what? When a goaltender lets in a bad goal or two or three bad goals, we go, that was bad goaltending. Well, guess what? That was bad officiating last night. There's no other way. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cut any other way. Bad officiating. So, Steve, I know this. It's impossible to sing and whistle at the same time. So, if if you want to sing the tune of, you know what, we're gonna let things go. Good, but you can't try to whistle that we're up holding this head, and this is the standard we're gonna call. You can't have it both ways. So, for the NHL right now, okay, you you decide. And if and, and if you, if you want to go back and you want to talk about, are you ready to give up your mobile phone? You ready no. to give up your five G? You ready to give up your high speed internet? Well, good. I'm not ready to go back to old school Hudson Bay rules. I'm not ready, and I don't want to see it. And I think if we're started down that, and I don't think we are. I think it was an awful night for the officials last night. I do. I think it's an. And we better recognize it. And somebody better go in and say that's not acceptable. Okay, I don't care what your rationale is. We're not having that. End of story, period. And game five starts with this is how it's being called. Start to finish and everywhere in between. End of story. That's where the NHL has to be. That to me, like, again, okay, well, how many times do we hear a a, a coach say, Steven Stamkos after game two, you know what? We got to reset. It's unacceptable. Steve, somebody's got to say that was unacceptable. That was unacceptable. And we got to reset and we got to reestablish how we're going to call this game. That's how I look at it. Yeah, well said, my friend. But we're not going to get that publicly. That might have That's okay. Last... I don't need it publicly. Okay. Uh, Steve, I'm a big believer in sometimes your actions speak a lot, lot louder than words. Okay. So, like, let's see your actions. Let's. I, I'm going to give them the benefit because I, I think they've been – I think the standard has been excellent. I think it's been upheld. In, in these playoffs and beginning of the playoffs, there's a lot of talk about, it. I think it's been upheld. Sorry, not last night. Last night was, a, was a, to me, again, it's just, it's two top notch officials. They had, a, they had a bad night. John Cooper's a great guy. Great friend of the show. Great coach. All those types of things. I was in shock listening to the presser. Um, and if you can't be honest with a friend, then you're not a good friend. You don't tell somebody, what they want to hear, you tell them what they need to hear. If I knew he was going to do that, I would have said, don't do it. Don't do it. Whether it's about the too many men on the ice call, which we think it is, Bo, Bo Byram touching the puck, I, I don't know. I would have said, John, you don't want this to be a mini legacy moment that, uh, you know, if you do lose a series or come or whatever, is this the moment? This isn't 72 and you know, we're going home because this is ridiculous. You know, it's, it's, it's not like that. I, I'm just surprised. And I, I wish he could get a mulligan. I know people who golf, they take a lot of mulligans, Craig. I just, I wish it didn't happen the way it did. What do you think? Oh, I'm with you hundred percent. You know, when he first started to speak, I was going, oh, geez, he's somber. You know, I, you, you could feel the hurt and the, and the disappointment in his voice. And I, and, and at first, Steve, I, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus seems like somewhat of a, of a concession speech, like, you know, preparing for, you know, oh, no, there's still time, but, and everything. And then as we went on, we saw what it was. And, and, and you know, John is bright and he's good. And I always say this, you know, th- there's times when 
really, really smart people, really intelligent people sometimes say things that you go, why, why did they say that? Right? And so the Mulligan example is really good. I, I, I was chuckling after the fact, though, Steve, because it was like it was like somebody calling me in and saying, hey, Craig, you know what? You're terrific. You, you are so good at what you do and you are phenomenal and you've done so much and and you're sitting there and you're starting to puff out. But uh, I just want to let you know we're letting you go. What? <laughs> Wait a sec. You just told me I, I was expecting a raise. And now like you're or a bonus. And now you just told me let me go. That's that was like, come on, like John, you've been in the league a long time. Like, you know what? If you have a beef, air it and air it in, 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 in a way. Don't leave people guessing. Don't leave people, you know, sitting here, you know, wondering what it could be and everything. And I said, I, I get the disappointment. I get the, uh, you know, where he was at at that point. But come on, like, really? The league, it's the greatest league on the planet. And I love parody. And like, come on, like, seriously. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing about, and you can directly relate to this, and we just had the anniversary. And this is the thing about fan bases, when a call is made, because this isn't a sport where this moment doesn't have a moment that's coming next, meaning the Brett Hull play didn't cost the Sabres anything because let's say in theory, the all-nice official said no goal. Well, Dallas is still leading the series 3-2. They're still in overtime, and they're still a game seven if necessary. So what do you, what do you mean that that, play you know Doug Gilmore's cut will kill the penalty score in overtime or if you don't score in overtime win in game seven so everyone seems to think when there's this magical call that hang on a second who was a better team for 50 60 minutes about because the game went how long was the game 60 minutes 70 minutes last night who was a better team for 60 minutes Colorado who was all over Tampa Colorado who got a great game for the goaltender Colorado Who's feeling it? McKinnon McCarr. Who almost wanted to play before? Colorado. Who almost wanted to shift before? Colorado. Who needed to scrape at 10 minutes? Tampa. <laughs> okay, so all of those things, I get it. I get it. So don't tell me, okay, this is, you know, Mark Bergevin catching the puck and throwing it into the net and nobody saw it. Come on here. Let's, let's, let's look at the bigger picture and say, the series is 3-1. Shouldn't the series be 3-1? Like, isn't, aren't we at the spot where we should be anyway, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought Nathan McKinnon post-game talked about, you know, we had, a, we had a rocky first period. But from that point in time, we really got settled in. And he said, we carried the play and we were the better team and we deserved to win. And I thought he was spot on. I thought he would, he, he laid it right there. You know, it, it was interesting as, as I watched the game, you know, it was two, it was two, one heading into the third period, but Colorado played really, really well in the second. And they were, and they were starting to, to me, I, I start to watch, you know, where the traction's going. And, and, and to me, th there was retreating going on by the Tampa Bay lightning and, and, and the, and the, and the attack was being pressed by the Colorado and it built in the third period. Then when they tied it up, you know, like it, it didn't feel like Tampa Bay had any semblance of control with the lead. And then I thought they were like trying to trying to manage the game to stay in the game and look for a break. And in overtime, I mean, you had a Devontae, a Devontae's 
post. You had Bo and Byron that could have won it off the crossbar, right? Like, you mean, all the chances they had in there. I mean, Vasilevsky made about three or four outstanding saves. I mean, other than the Nick Paul shot that caught Kemper in the, in the face in overtime and in the, in the mask, Tampa Bay had nothing. They had nothing, not a thing. And you know what? The, uh, Bob Gainey used this term uh, years ago, and we talk about the, is it at the end of the night, the right team won. <laughs> and, that, and that's how we feel, right? And people yeah. are allowed to feel, and maybe we'll discuss later, allowed to vote how they want, and they justify the vote, and we can agree to disagree, and that's the democracy that we live in or think we do. So you can't just agree when we agree, and then when we disagree, you know, you, the, the Twitter hates and, and everything else. And I didn't know Nazem Kadri was going to play for sure. I was told at 604 by people who were there. And then he was on his own line as the lines were rejigged again. Like, how good is Colorado when JT Comfer is back where he belongs as a third line center? Kadri's at two, McKinnon's at one, and Kadri started slow, not noticeable, feel like he just went like this. Like, did, did he just, you, you could feel him feeling better. And then it just, it was like, wow, it's too bad. There's no Braden point at the other end and everyone's not a Craig name, name a playoff where everyone was hundred percent healthy. Maybe the old four lightning is the only team that was always hundred percent healthy. And John Tortorella said it, he goes, we got man games in the regular season and in the playoffs, they were healthy and they won the cup in seven games. These teams are banged up. I wish guys were healthy, but they're not. But to me, Nazem Kadri from a broken thumb surgery to the overtime winner. It's a, it's storybook, Craig. It's storybook. It really is. And, you know, but I'll tell you what, Nazem Kadri, after he'd had that surgery and they talked about it, he said, I'll be back. He circled <laughs> it. He said, I'll be back. And I mean, he is, he, he is a dyed in the wool competitor. I mean, he, he, he lives to play hockey and, you know, you know, he's, he was such a terrific player during the regular season for Colorado and, and just as terrific in the playoffs before he got hurt uh, on, on that check from behind by Evander Kane. And so, you know, you think about his impact on that team. I mean, when you really start to think about, you know, one, two, I mean, is, Nazem is just perfectly set up to be the number two center behind Nathan McKinnon. It's it. And like, you know, Naz is, 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 is such a good player. And, but when you talk about, when I say perfect, it's perfectly set up. Right. And we know what's happened in previous playoffs with some of his transgressions. Right. And, and he paid a price for it. And, and so did the teams that he was on Toronto and Colorado, but you see what a valuable player he is. And there, there, there's no way that anybody can look at Nazem Kadri and not see how productive he is, how important he is. And, you, you know, he's a unique player. He, he adds elements to the game that a lot of, and like Ed Belfour, I think I told you this story, Steve, Ed Belfour was a, a great competitor and he used to get worked up and opponents would get to him. And after 1998, Bob Gainey sat with him and he said, what do you want to do? I want to win a cup. How badly do you want to win a cup? Like more than anything, because Bob just goes, well, these are things you got to do. And I think that's exactly where Nazem Kadri finds himself. They, nobody doesn't want him to play on the edge. Nobody doesn't want him to play gritty and competitive, but you know, understanding what's the most important. So you're going to have to manage that. He's done a magnificent job and coming back last night and scoring that overtime winner. I, I mean, like Nazem Kadri might not have written that story for himself. <laughs>
Yeah, uh, and I'm with you. And you're right about that circle, the Instagram post, and it's 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 a it's a special team that had a special regular season. You know, if they blew the President's Trophy, or maybe that was good for them, it doesn't matter. Um, and what they've been able to do in the playoffs, I mean, four, six, four, they got three. That's they're fifteen and three. Fifty, oh. Craig, <laughs> fifteen and three. Oh, they have to beat the weaker teams and Blues are a good team. You know, the Blues are one of the best non-teams in the cup final, right? If you believe in Carolina, Toronto, the rain, like there's a lot of really good teams, yeah, for that, sure. you know, art and, you know, 15 and three is still 15 and three. And, and, and now they feel it and, and they, and they taste it. And maybe that's why there was a mini concession in, in, in John's voice. Steve said all the right things. Stamkos after the game. You know, you just got to win one. Force the game six. If I'm Tampa and I got 88 and the rest of the group, we're going on the road and we just want to win one game. I'm not winning three. I'm not hitting a grand slam tomorrow. Just one win. Why not a 2-1 Tampa Bay win with a Vasilevsky effort? What Would that be the craziest thing in the world for Tampa to win Friday 2-1, 3-1 empty netter? Come on, man. Of course they can win game five. That's all I'm asking. Well, that's a good question. And, you know, one thing I, I'm really impressed with, with Colorado, though, you know, we talked about after game two, the adjustments that Tampa Bay had to make. And, and, and they did. They made some nice adjustments. But then I thought Colorado adjusted off of those adjustments. Like they, you know, they didn't let themselves just say, oh, boy, OK, we're up. And like they said, OK, what do we have to do now? And we talk about game four. And slowly they just they just kept you know, pressing the attack and pushing Tampa Bay further and further back. Even think about the winning goal, Steve. I mean, they're out on the ice forever, Tampa Bay. They're trying to relieve the pressure. It's a really, really good play, dumping it high like that and not getting the ice in. And how good was Darcy Kemper? Uh-uh, I'm not letting you guys off the hook. He was dialed in when he zipped that puck up to Lekkonen and then Kadri with speed, you know. They were backed right up. And, and the winning goal was a great example of being backed up. Yeah, if we were on TV, we would have had so much meat on that bone from the controversy to the play. And I'm so happy you brought up Darcy Kemper. You know, I don't know the man, right? 32, Sass kid as they all are from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. He he answered the bell. He answered the bell in game, what game was it? Four. He answered the bell. Like, he got his bell rung. That's the rule. Continuous motion, goal scored. He didn't complain. The abs didn't whine. Great job by Dave Jackson explaining it perfectly. Your buddy from Montreal, former NHL referee. And guess what? He just kept going. Maybe the headman goal wasn't good. So, okay, there's one. But he allowed two. Like, if you knew before the game Kemper was going to allow two, I would have said, there's no way Colorado's losing this one. Like, he did his job. And with all the pressure, much maligned. He's, he's been Corey Crawford maligned, Craig. And he answered the bell. So if we don't ding, 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 ring the bell for him, when are we going to? Like, if I'm him, boy, did I sleep good last night. You know, Steve, one of the interesting things, too, and the media loves to create narratives. Like, somehow after game three, there was a goaltending controversy in Colorado. Yeah, right. Please give me a break. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, create all you want. Just because you're creating something doesn't mean it's a work of art. It could be the thing that you, you know, those pieces of art that you go and you, and you get as a, as a gift. And the minute you get it, you go and throw it in the, in the, in the garbage can. 
That's what that narrative was about the goaltending controversy in Colorado. And Darcy Kemper has been a really good goaltender. And you know what? Everybody wants to look at it in terms of, you know, save percentage and everything. You know what the playoffs are about for goaltenders? About the W. Daryl Sutter. I like W's. You know what? Find a way to win. Find a way. And Darcy Kemper, to your point, okay, maybe the backhand goal by Hedman, you don't want that back. But it's about finding a way to win. Two goals against. Give my team a chance, you know, and make sure that as long as it takes us, I'm going to let our team take as long as it takes to win. That's what Darcy Kemper did. That's what good playoff goaltending is. Vasilevsky gave the same thing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The problem was is that Tampa Bay Lightning did not have the right stuff to win that game. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction, Craig, as you know, is Canada's sportsbook, 19-plus, Play responsibly. So, we have a game five for sure. Do we have a game six? Or whether we do or not, is the end near anyway? I think the end is near anyway. And I think the end is near Friday night. I think Friday night. It'll be uh, Friday night lights in the Mile High City for the Colorado Avalanche. And to me, the reason I say that, Steve, you know, after game to, I said, the Tampa Bay Lightning have not had to deal with this type of team, the challenges that they present. They adjusted nicely for game three, but the Colorado Avalanche adjusted so nice to the adjustments. And the way they carried through pier two, three, overtime of game four, I don't see it changing in game five. I think we're crowning a new Stanley Cup champion on Friday night in Denver, Colorado. And you're probably right, unless the comments I made earlier are true that Vasilevsky just, he, mm-hmm. but even if he does, I'm saying we're not getting to a game seven. So even if they have a little bit of toothpaste left in this role and they squeeze it a bit more and go down as glorious back-to-back champions and everything else, the end result will be, and this is what it's all about anyway, that Colorado, whether it's game five or game six, we believe will hoist the Stanley Cup. With the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see what sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. That's us, folks. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. We had some controversy to start 76. People have been very critical of the, uh, voting process as it relates to the professional hockey writers association and the certain awards so do we have a controversy oiler fans are upset that dry and his numbers compared to mcdavid had him finishing ninth and they're mad in nashville about roman yossi is there a problem in the process Sometimes it gets nauseating, even though we're in talk radio or in podcast radio. So what narrative do you buy about voting? Because as soon as you start voting, there's controversy. Well, there is, Steve. And I, I love the fact that all the ballots are made public. I, I, I do. I think it's, it's really good that when you're uh, voting on significant awards for National Hockey League players, that people know what your vote was and, and, and they should be scrutinized. And I always say, when I vote, I said, it, it doesn't really uh, concern me if you agree or disagree with me. I just want to be able to make a case 
for for where I voted and 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 be able to do that. And like I said, it doesn't mean you have to agree with me, but but I, I before I hit send, I have to feel comfortable that I can defend my choices and say here's why, right? So there's always going to be some type of controversy. There, there just is. So what I would say is, so what's the solution? Yeah. Is there a better solution? And you know what? We can think about it and think about it. I've had this discussion with a number of people. I think the same thing happens with the Ted Lindsay award. Okay. So, you know, like it's, everybody says, let the players vote. Okay. That's great. And, and, and we want the players to have a voice. Like they're, they're there, they're playing against the thing, but are you really telling me that somebody in LA players that are playing in LA or Anaheim or San Jose, I'm just picking three teams really know how good Shesterkin was. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> right. So you're trying to find a balance. You're trying to find, you know, areas where you, I think number one, you want an informed voting base. Right. So I know Frank Saravalli and the professional hockey writers and so have really worked on doing. We had Wayne Gretzky voting this year. We had Rick Tockett voting this year. Like, it's great to have them. And, you know, can we look at trying to look at different people to have, to have them voting to get their input? Yeah, we can. But I, I, I don't know what the solution is. And I, I think the PH, I don't think there's a better solution. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. so, you know, this is what we live with controversy, we live with disagreement. That's okay. I think Frank Saravalli and his group at the Professional Hockey Writers Association have done a really good job of, of making sure that, that, that the information is there for the voters. And then, you know, trying to get, you know, voters that are really engaged and really informed as best as they can be. And I don't care. I don't care if you're the general populace. People go to the polls all the time. They're not informed. <laughs> so that's what we're going to get at times. And that's just a, a byproduct of where we're at. I don't I don't I don't I think about it lots but I can't come up with a better solution. Yeah, and uh, and we talk about uh, the voting base. Um, I'm a little bit involved. I'm told not to say what I'm involved in, but I'm a little bit involved, but I'd like to be more involved. I feel that I'm very informed. And as the Ranger game ends, then watching the Flames and the Sharks and and everything else. But uh, you said you'd take care of Frank. I would say maybe this, if people were asking, maybe we expand the base even more. Some would argue maybe that might be better. Uh, and then maybe we don't have a five-tiered system. Maybe it's one vote. Who do you have for, well, the Vezina doesn't count because that's a GM's, but who do you have for this award? Maybe it's not three, two, one. Maybe it's just one person. When you go to the polls, you vote for one person, right? One party. So maybe, maybe that's an answer. I don't know if that makes it better or not. I'm just trying to come up with something, but I'm with you. Best idea wins, whether it's officiating how we started, or it's NHL awards. And we have to admit, when there is a little controversy, Craig, there's a bit more hot sauce on the bone, isn't there? Like it does. People are more engaged when there is sometimes an issue. We don't want too many issues, but when there is, it does lead to a heightened sense of interest, I do believe. Eh, Maybe not for the right reason, though. Yeah. Well, okay. So let me go back to, let me just go back to the voting. I, I, I concur with everything you said. So let me ask you this. The, the players that won the awards, <laughs> was there, was there any, did, were any of the awards wrong? No, no. Like, Not at all. Right. Okay. Like people might've had different choices, but at the end of the process, that the right players, like, I mean, that doesn't mean because McCarr won and Yossi won that Yossi wasn't deserving. 
But do we look at it and go, oh my God, where did Kale McCarr come from? Oh my God, can you believe that Patrice Bergeron won the Selkie and not so-and-so? Like, no. Like when I look at the, at the results of who won, like the process then tells me it's a good process then because we got to the right answers. Now we can, we can go and go and you see it lots. Oh, can you believe this person voted or didn't vote for it? That's okay. You know what? That's what we get. And that's why, you know, through the process, having more people, people that are informed, right? Well, that's where you get, you know, in, in, in statistics, throw out the high, throw out the low, get it in there, right? I think we, I think that when we see the outcomes, th- there's nobody going, geez, can, can, can you believe that Nick Benino was voted the Hart Trophy winner? Like, <laughs> like, there's none of that. Like, you know, it's, there's nothing, you know, that, and, and so again, when I talk about the PHWA and, you know, a couple of years ago, Alexander Ovechkin got votes for all-star left wing and all-star right wing. Right. But the PHWA said, hey, wait a second here. We got to establish what player, what positions players played at. Right. So Matthew Kachuk, who's been a left winger, was a right winger this year. He's the second team all star right winger. So the process is working. And I think that, you know, that's why when I say I can't think of a better solution. And when I look at the outcomes, it doesn't matter if I voted for Yossi first or McCarr first or whatever it was. All I know is the outcomes to me were reasonable and the, the the players that won were more than deserving. That's what you want. <laughs> I had no problem going to bed at the end of the NHL yeah, awards night. Same so with no me. problem. So well done. That nicely gets us to final thoughts brought to you by ultimate hockey fans. Go to ultimatehockeyfanscom forward slash cool button pod to see the beautiful merchandise and to get our discount. You're at the Memorial cup final thoughts on that. Or are you going off the board like Joker's Wild? <laughs> no, no Joker's Wild. Well. Hey, listen, game three of the Memorial Cup championship was unbelievable. It went to three-on-three overtime. First time they've had three-on-three overtime. It was unbelievable. The goaltenders were, were fabulous. There was breakaways, two-on-ones, two-on-os. You know, it, it, we sat five minutes into the overtime and said, we can't believe this game hasn't ended already. It finally ended, but the enthusiasm of the players, the fans in the building, Steve, this is a massive, this is the Holy grail of junior hockey. It's the Holy grail of junior hockey. And I got to tell you being here in St. John, being around the teens, watching the players, like, you know, we say they're giving her, (laughs) they're giving her. And I'll tell you what, tune in because it's only getting better because if the NHL series ends on Friday, there's still hockey Saturday, and Monday and Wednesday. So like, you know what, your, your hockey fix right before July 1st can still be there and it can still be satisfied and keep this in mind. Tomorrow's NHL stars are playing right here today. A number of them. I love it. I love that slogan. It makes sense. And, uh, it's why change that slogan's so good. I want to say a shout out to, uh, Paul Maurice, you know, stepped away from the jets needed to, uh, figure things out. And instead of winters in Winnipeg, He'll be in South Florida. Still a lot of pressure. Still has to play defense and figure things out there. Um, but you know what? A great guy, a career coach who was 28, right? 28 when he was part of the, the Hartford Whaler organization turning to Carolina. So the coaching carousel has been interesting. The silly season. The beat goes on. And I guess at times, Craig, we see some silliness as well. And you know what? That's all part of the hockey world. We laugh, we cry, and we move on, just like we did on episode 76. The controversy, we like to think, has been solved. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolius. 
Bye bye 76. We'll talk to you 77. Enjoy the Stanley Cup final and the Memorial Cup, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, ciao.